When you know it's time, it's time. And no better time than right now. Three years ago, sitting at this podium, we talked about creating a culture, a winning atmosphere, that we're going to do it our way. We're going to be fast, we're going to be physical, and we're going to be smart. And uh, it's paid off. A number of people have already asked, why are you stepping away from a chance to go to the Hall of Fame and win another Super Bowl? Because I don't give a shit about the Hall of Fame. Secession is way more important to me. This has been my dream for a long time. Guys that know me, they knew I wanted one of my guys to take over. And that's more important to me than anything. And have a place where I could go and be welcome back. And obviously, I have a job now, and uh, I kind of love the, the title. It's pretty good. <laughs> we'll figure out what the hell it means soon. But, <laughs> but it's pretty damn good, and uh, I get to stay and have the relationships that I love. And uh, I couldn't turn it over to a better person. Been together, boy, I hate to, I hate to say how many years. Age both of us, but uh, Todd's going to do a great job. Get your ass on the golf course, man. I'm getting broke. Uh, no, we have a great relationship. I mean, uh, all the players who are, there are a few in here, every one of them's gotten cussed out, all right, including him. So that's just part of me, you know. So uh, that, that's nothing new. But we have a great relationship. I mean, as soon as he retired, I think we text every week. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? When are you going to play golf? Uh, when are you getting back down this way? And uh, so <laughs> people got it right. I mean, and uh, – it couldn't be further from the truth. Man, I, you know, Mike, I, I think you mentioned this before, man. What an offseason. <laughs> okay, let's just start right there. I mean, it just keeps going. What an offseason. The same offseason. You're talking about a Tyreek Hill trade. Russell Wilson got traded. We got to go with another Aaron, name for it. So I mean, we call it just like Ron, non-playing I mean, season, or because it ain't off. Hey, is anything but off? <laughs> I got some yeah, other we, reference. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Questlove already had the summer of soul. We're not in the summer. The spring of something. It's like I, I don't know. It, this is somebody's gonna do something on this and, and win an award. And c- c- congrats to you. I hope we gave you a little bit of inspiration. But to the news of the day or the news of yesterday, yet another bombshell. Bruce Arians. Head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for just three seasons, steps down and turns it over to Todd Bowles. Now, that really shouldn't have been a possibility for him because Todd Bowles, uh, a fine coach in his own right, should have had an opportunity after the two th- 2020 season, the pandemic season, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers shut down in such an impressive way the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Bowles and Leftwood should have been head coaches after 2020. Uh, it turns out their head coaches, well, they one of them is a head coach after 2021, only because Bruce Arian said, I'm stepping aside. This is your time now. But I, I, I think all the things can be true that have been speculated. I know I've been read, reading a lot of stuff out of Tampa and a couple of columnists, columnists there say, yeah, you know, Bruce is an unconventional guy. He's unique. Uh, we believe we're thankful he doesn't have any health problems, but it was a time to step away and maybe Tom Brady was okay with this. And, uh, and I heard one, uh, Rick Stroud, on with Dan Patrick said he doesn't believe in coincidences. And so 
just so happens when Tom Brady came back the day he came back or the day after he came back, he found out that Bruce Arians had this plan. It's all it's all good. Okay, put it away. It even if even if Bruce Arians is stepping away partly because of Tom Brady and partly because he wants Todd Bowles to have a, a great opportunity. I don't see any negative with this. It's just a, a yet a yet another interesting adventurous ambitious tale from the offseason. Yeah, maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a sucker for a, a, a good story. Um, yeah, you know, I it won't be it wouldn't be the first time I was naive. Um, who was it that said that um, journalism is is writing what they don't want you to write? Everything else is just PR. Right. You remember? Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I do, sometimes I do get, you know, sometimes I do, I, I do drink the Kool-Aid or, 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 or buy the, the company line, you know, to a fault. I, I admit that. But in this sense, I guess I'm, I'm just choosing not to let cynicism or conspiracy theories ruin what a beautiful moment this is, because this is bigger than any potential petty differences or any beef between Brady and B.A. for me. Michael, this is what being intentional. This is what being deliberate. This is what being an ally more than an ally. This is what being an accomplice looks like. We've been talking for yeah. a long time and you referenced it. Okay, about how in the hell did Byron Leftwich and not and, and Ty Bowles, excuse me, Byron Leftwich and Ty Bowles both not have jobs after last year's Super Bowl. How does Eric Bieniemy not have a job? And here's Bruce Arians once again once again, stepping up and leading on the issue of diversity in the coaching ranks because we know what his staff looks like from the coordinators for all right. black coordinators to the women that he's hired to the position coaches that he's hired. He has been at the forefront of this issue. So here's Bruce Arian saying, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to give Todd Bowles a second opportunity. I'm going to do it. We going to do it. I'm going to get to him. We yeah. going to step up. Yes. And I'm not only going to step up and give Todd Bowles a, a deserved opportunity. I'm gonna make sure he's got an opportunity to succeed. Because as I've said before, black people in all walks of life, we don't get opportunities, we get chances. And rarely do you see <laughs> black coaches in the NFL get second chances, let alone opportunities to be a head coach. So this is him. This, this is not just Bruce Arians hooking up a brother. This is Bruce Arians hooking up his brother from another his brother of 40 years in Ty Bowles. I just, Michael, I guess I just don't believe that. I don't, I so, know like Brady has been a drama queen this offseason and the, the 40 yes. day retirement, you know, I get it. Yes. And I get that, you know, Brady at the end butted heads with Belichick over Alex Guerrero and he wants his thing this kind of way. And I get that a lot of people thought that Brady retired in an effort to, um, you know, force his way to San, to San Francisco, Francisco or something like that. Yeah. And I get that was a rich Ormberger. It's already been out there with the tension between Brady and Arians and Arians could rub people the wrong way. I get all of that stuff, right? I get all of that. I guess I just don't. I don't need to look at Brady as a coach killer, nor do I need to look at Bruce Arians as somebody who would just be willingly pushed aside because if I know Bruce Arians and I don't know him that well, but if I know Bruce Arians, I don't think Bruce Arians would just go quietly into that good night. 
if this was Tom, if Tom Brady were really behind this, I think I think somehow, some way, we know it for sure. We have to speculate. No, I don't think we so. Know it. I, I don't. I don't think we know it. I'll tell you why. Because Bruce Arians is very close. So he's close to Todd Bowles. He's very close to Jason Light, and he has a lot of respect for the Glazers. So I he might want to, but. I think there are other relationships. He wouldn't want to hurt the other relationships that he values dearly. So we may not why, know but about why it. And, but why can't, not, why can't it just be Michael what they say, what he says it is? Like, why can't it be? I'm 69 years old, and yeah, this is important to me. The same way it was once important for Tony Dungy to pass the torch to Jim Caldwell. Why can't yeah. this just be important to him to give Todd Bowles the reins? And why did because to, to me the extreme of attaching I love you. attaching Tom Brady's retirement, this. but but think about this. So Tom Brady gonna retire because he don't want to play for for Bruce Arians, and he's only gonna come out of retirement if Bruce Arians steps aside. And then I'm to believe that the Bucks waited weeks to do this simply to throw us off the scent. I get. I, I think it's just well, what, well, sometimes it can be what it is, and maybe Bruce Arians really wanted to set. Tied bowls up, and and even if this was a Brady power play, okay, let's play let's play along with this. If this was a Brady okay. power play, he gonna end up with Todd Bowles as their coach? No disrespect. Yes. If this yes. is really a Brady yes. power play, it be it would be somebody that Brady handpicked. Wouldn't be Todd Bowles. Or maybe or maybe it would be somebody that Brady knows. Hey, I've got some influence. I I've got some power here. You know, it, maybe the next because I'll control want, the offense and, and he'll control I, the defense. It's already. I mean, apparently he's already controlling so, so, the so, offense. So, so Byron, so Byron left, which is just there. So now we're perpetuating the notion that Byron left, which ain't got nothing to do with this offense. Well, which is now I'm not saying well, you are it, well, unintentionally. Well, well, we are well, if it's, that, if it's Bruce Arians perpetu- and no, it's Tom no, Brady. That's fine. I'm, I'm saying that. I mean, like, but that's that's no sight. No, him. I don't want to say. I'm not. Uh, com- I'm not comfortable saying that because that's probably what people are saying that have not hired Byron Leftwich. But well, you wait were a minute. I mean, but Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator. Tom Brady's the quarterback. I mean, you already mentioned Tony Dungy, uh, and, and who's a colleague and, and a great man. So we talked with uh, Coach Dungy. Ask him how often, when Peyton Manning and Tom Moore, both of those guys are there, how often did he come in and say, "All right, uh, I'm going to spend four hours in the offensive meeting, and I want you to do this, this, and that." I, probably not. It was, and if he did, no. no. It would have been a waste of his time. So no, this is this is one less like, cook in the kitchen on offense. Yeah, right. No, I guess I just don't. Yeah, want, I guess I just don't want to say that Brady runs the offense. I, I I I struggle to say that because that supports the idea that it's not really that left. That's not really left. Which would you and I and many others have, and, and, and led by Bruce Arians have let right. people know that this is Byron Leftwich behind this offense. That is not the greatest quarterback of all time. It's not the quarterback whisper. It's Byron Leftwich. So I don't want to fall in the trap of suggesting that Leftwich yeah. just does whatever Tom Brady says and that Todd Bowles just going to stay out of the way and let Brady run the show. I just don't want to perpetuate you use that. A, you used a great journalism quote uh, earlier, and it's been attributed to, to many people. I've heard it in different forms, but basically there's hard news I didn't butcher and everything it, else I? is just and everything else is PR. I'll get I'll get you the quote because one of my friends actually puts it uh, on on a syllabus every year. Puts it on a syllabus every year. He loves mm. it, but uh, you'll find it. But I'm gonna give you another journalism quote. Here's here, here's George or uh, George Orwell was the first one that came up. Yeah, journalism George is printing what somebody else does not want printed. Everything else is public relations. Hey, I did get yes. it right. That's I did it. get it right. Okay, okay. Yes, 
That's it. That's it. So right. here's another one. Very simple. What's the definition of news? It's unusual. Something is unusual. <laughs> okay, that news happens. Breaking news is unusual. Like, you, you're not going to have breaking news is, hey, somebody turned on the, uh, there was traffic today. There was traffic yeah. today on the expressway. Oh, a, no, a okay. March 30th what coaching else? change. A March 30th what coaching else? change is strange. Yeah. Okay, strange. not only, uh, not only is the coaching uh, change in March strange, it's a strange that, think about the sequence. Tom Brady retires. You about to coach Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask. You, your team it's not really a Super Bowl favorite. You go, you go coach them though, and you haven't given any ind- indication that you don't want to coach them. You go coach them. You're excited about it. Tom Brady comes back. Hey, that you, you know, you, you sign Russell Gage, the band. You're bringing the band back. You keep Carlton Davis. You got Tom Brady back. You're the head coach. You could go to your Super Bowl odds increase, and you step away. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I, I understand that. He's a good man. Bruce Almighty. I give it to him. And both things can be true. That's what I'm saying. Both things can be true that that Tom Brady maybe had something to do with it or Tom Brady wasn't feeling this notion of you know year three with Bruce Arians. His year three, four for Arians, three for Brady. And Arians wanted to hook up Todd Bowles and he found a way to do both. To, to, so to keep everybody, a, you, everybody's happy. Because well, happy, I was about right? to say, the, do you know the like Buccaneers how are happy? Yeah, but you, you know, you pitched ideas to management before, right? And you know yeah. how when you pitch an idea to management, the best way to get to see that idea come to fruition is to make them think that it was their idea. So it's kind of like, like make them feel good about it. And it's like, okay, and then they start taking ownership of it. It's really what you wanted the whole time, but they think it's there. Yeah. So that's how it gets done. Otherwise, it would get ignored. So you're saying that this is kind of like a... Um, like, like this allows Bruce to feel good and appear magnanimous and get pats yep. on the back and applause from people like me when it's really like, yeah, this is, we, we need you to step aside, but here's a great way of, of, of packaging way it, it so that everybody can come out smelling like roses. You, you look Including like the dude that, 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 that yeah. now we got six minority coaches and four black coaches. Thanks to you, Bruce Arians. And Todd Bowles, the succession plan, and we got the company line, and people like Michael Smith is just gonna eat up and just go and it's gonna bring a, a, a Denzel glory tear to his eye when really this is about Tom yeah. Brady couldn't take no more of you. Is that what we're saying? Possibly. Like I, I'm falling for the <laughs> okie really... I'm, I'm falling for the banana. <laughs> As I'm dressed in yellow, hey, I'm falling for the banana right. in the tailpipe. And that's all right. Me. And that's all right. Why? It's a I just, good story. I choose to. I just, I just, yeah, just want to feel story. good. After this weekend, I just want to feel good. I just, I'm sorry. I, 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 I want to feel good. I want to feel like this is somebody oh, hooking up somebody. We're, we're sitting up here every day lamenting the lack of white coaches who make it their business to promote, to develop, promote, and hire black coordinators and head coaches. And here's a coach whose entire career, this ain't come out of nowhere, mind you. His That's entire right. career job. has been about this. So this is on brand. So that's why I just choose to believe it in is the best on brand people, and it's good. I that's why it's all good. myself. I, I, I believe in the best of uh, uh, people too. Now, how would you will it change your mind if because this is this is not new for Bruce Arians either. You know, he retired from Pittsburgh, but I think he may have been fired. I don't know fired retired from Pittsburgh 
winds up in Indianapolis. Uh, then he winds up in Arizona, retires from Arizona, winds up in Tampa. He says, this is not a retirement. He's just a different part of the building. If he winds up coaching again, he won't coach not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he, he won't coach. Ooh, he won't. Ooh, I don't, I, well, no, I, what do I know? I'd be, Wait a geez, minute. I'd be shocked if really? he coached again. You would? You, you okay? Well, I well, you know what? I would. I guess I guess I shouldn't I be. Get, look, bring, to bring the conversation full circle, this, if this all season has taught us nothing else, don't be surprised by anything. So, okay, you know what? Now, I'm not I'd be shocked. surprised. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be surprised if he coached again in 2022, <laughs> but I shouldn't. But I shouldn't be. Maybe in 2023, uh, your your hot coaching candidates already: Bruce Arians and Sean Payton. Those are your those are your two hot names. You will hear those names a lot. Uh, front from, office could the front March. office could be fun though. The front office could be fun. Maybe yeah, you know, I mean, could be fun for a lifelong coach. Ish, he's, he's been coaching Ish. all his life. Yeah, front office. Yeah, I just feel like I just Bruce Harry just don't strike me as the kind of guy to just get pushed around. Even by Tom Brady, like you said, he cussed him out. Brady so he's gonna just he's gonna just acquiesce to this. I I don't know, Tom man. It just, it just, you want me yeah. to come back? You want me yeah. to come back? Okay. You're not going to trade me to condition? San Francisco? All right. Better do something. What were we just saying about this NFL offseason? Yeah. It does yeah. not, it does not on, take Al. a day off. Bobby Wagner wow. to the Seahawks. Five years, $50 million, worth no, of to 65 the million. Oh, I said that? Damn it, I messed that up. Bobby Wagner to the Rams. Former Seahawk. Bobby Wagner. Right, take two. Take two. Take two. Take two. Hey, Michael, remember what we were saying? Remember what we were saying about this NFL offseason? Yeah, that it crazy. doesn't take What's a day off. What happened? What Former happened? Seahawk Bobby Wagner mm. signing with the Los Angeles Rams for five years and $50 million worth up to $65 million uh, per sources. Who cares if the money is real or not? Five years and $50 million has a nice ring to it. Speaking of rings to it, I said this. I had this in my feed yeah. a couple of days yeah. ago, but we never got to I it. Remember. If Bobby I Wagner remember. picks the Rams, I'm picking the Rams to repeat. I mean, and why the, the NFC because, has already been. There's already, well, there's been a talent drain in the NFC to begin with. Let's just start with that. All right. Just in general, uh, even in that division. I mean, 49ers can't figure out their quarterback. Seahawks are rebuilding. Uh, the Cardinals got drama of their own, and we know how they finish every Look season. Look at Richard Sherman. Look at Richard Sherman up here giving context Insider. to the report. Insider Richard Sherman. The Ravens made a last-minute push, but the Ravens reigning made champs a were push. too good to pass pass up, which that would have been a huge signing for Baltimore, too, uh, especially yeah. since we got a certain Baltimore Raven we are expecting to talk to later on. Hint, hint. Anyway, yeah. I mean, look, man, the Rams, you know, look, they lose Von Miller, which is big. But for the most part, they keep the band back together together and add a couple of new members in the form of Allen Robinson on offense and Bobby Wagner on defense. I mean, if you look at their defense, what an awesome the weakest season. part of their the weakest level of their defense was linebacker and they don't just get an upgrade at linebacker. They get an eight time pro bowler, a six time all pro an all decade team member and what year in and year out a perennial leading tackler in the NFL to play behind Aaron Donald, who's coming back and getting a new contract. I mean, it's, I, I, what else can you say other than the rich get richer? And in the NFC, yeah. 
we just talked about the Bucks. They'll be in the mix. Um, you know, I, there's nobody really in the NFC East that I trust. So I'm just going to ignore that division altogether. The Packers have lost Devontae Adams. We assume they'll find somebody for Aaron Rodgers to throw to, but nobody in the NFC North other than Green Bay is really a factor. So in the NFC, if it's not the Rams or Brady's Bucks, then who do you who are you really looking at saying you know that's a I'm Super Bowl contender? Right. All the contenders are in the AFC. Right. One of the great things, and I love this. I love the the uh, the, the art of war. Shout out Sun Tzu. All right, but I, I love the art of war aspect uh, of the of of the NFL. When a team really starts to establish itself as a champion, the first thing it does is just rearranges its own division. Like you start to come up a little bit. You're fighting somebody. Somebody's above you in the division. You take them out. And now when you're sitting on the throne, everybody else is scrambling around you. Everybody else is falling apart and you occupy that that, that land. Like This is ours. And now we're going to look out. We know we got this, but we're thinking even bigger. We're thinking beyond the division. And that's what's happening really to the Rams. Think about it. San Francisco Jimmy Garoppolo is having surgery and they're going to wind up uh, either with a broken Jimmy Garoppolo at some point going into training camp or an unproven Trey Lance as their quarterback. Seattle moved on from Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. So mm-hmm. you ain't really worried about them. And San Francisco has always been a thorn in the side of the Rams, but they beat them at the most critical time, beat them at the most critical time. Uh, uh, in the uh, in, in NFC Championship game, in the in the, in the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals, they beat them in the playoffs, and the Cardinals have a lot to prove with their team. They're a good regular season exactly. team, but they haven't really proven anything. So exactly. I, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Rams. Yes, NFC West, they got it. And then if you look out over everybody else, look out over the landscape. Maybe Tampa. You're looking at Tampa. That's about it. And you beat them last year. I mean. I mean, for them to win on the in road. Matthew Stafford's Beat them on first the road. year, right? For them to win in uh, Matthew Stafford's uh, first year uh, at quarterback, a guy who had not won a playoff game in all those years in Detroit. There's also something about just like breaking through and learning how to win. They overcame the Super Bowl disappointment from a few years ago against the Patriots. They overcame coming up short with Jared Goff. You know. They went all in on this year and they come out as champions. It just feels like now they're going to be the hunted, but I don't know that they're going to be the hunted from the standpoint of it's going to crush them. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, sometimes people just like we talk about right. it in the NBA when teams just start to hoard championships. Like I see, I see the Rams and the culture that that Les Snead and Sean McVay have cultivated not being the type of organization that falls apart, even though recent history tells us that teams. First of all, it's practically impossible to repeat. Nobody's done it since the 0304 Patriots. A lot of people like me thought the Bucks would do it this year. We saw how that worked out, um, but it's practically impossible to repeat number one. But not only that, we see a lot of teams go to the Super Bowl and don't even so much as make the playoffs the following year. So I know what recent history says, but I just look at this group injuries notwithstanding. And I look at what they've done on offense by adding Allen Robinson. At one point, we were talking about whether Sean McVay or, for that matter, Aaron Donald, whether they were going to stay with the organization. They both come back. (laughs) 
you know, you add a Bobby Wagner on defense. I mean, it's just, you know, last year was the first year with Raheem Morris as defensive coordinator, was it not? You know, so I mean, that's I right. guess their biggest loss would be Kevin O'Connell as, as offensive coordinator, but you know, we really know no, their biggest it's Sean loss, McVay's show. Their biggest loss is Sean McVay's show. I think Von Miller's yeah, sure, loss. sure. No, yeah, no, sure. Yeah, no, right, right. Von Miller's their biggest loss. I stand corrected. Um, I guess I just don't see, but I don't see Von Miller stopping this train is what I'm getting at. Maybe they end up bringing Odell Beckham back on offense, you know, and they still, I mean, for all the talk about for all the talk about this, is my favorite part. We never got to this. I want I've been wanting to nerd out uh, about this for a while. I've been wanting to nerd, uh, nerd out about the picks. Rams draft you want to talk about the picks. compensation. Yeah, I want to talk about F them picks because for all the talk about F them picks. Okay. Draft capital. Excuse me. I, I put in capital. Here we go. Because there's this uh, sports. I think it's called Sports Trans. One of my favorite websites, ProSportsTransactions.com. I live on that website. All right. Okay. So they don't have their first. They don't have their second. They don't have their third. Oh, that's they so. do have a compensatory. Well, wait a minute though. But they do have a compensatory pick. I know. Thanks for the Lions. Know. You know, hiring Brad Holmes. Brad they have Holmes. A compensatory third round right. pick. Okay. They have a compensatory fourth round pick as a result of losing. Um, Samson uh, Abukum, Gerald Everett, Morgan Fox, Troy Hill, and John Johnson. They have a five, and then they have three fifth-round picks. They built this organ. They built this roster not just from acquiring high-priced players or paying for high-priced players. They nailed the back end of the draft, the middle and, and the end yeah. of the draft. So for all the talks about F them picks, they got hooked up with four compensatory picks, and that's not and that's just for losing free agents. That's not counting the one for Brad Holmes. So they'll be active in this draft, if not at the top of the draft. That's that was my point. And I want the some teams game the system in that way. They know that they got compensatory picks coming. So that's another reason why you say F them picks. Yeah, and they're gonna get more. They're gonna get more because they traded. No, no, they uh, they signed Allen Robinson. Okay, I was gonna say they yeah. traded for him. They signed Allen so Robinson, that'll, that'll, but they lost. Yeah. But they lost Von Miller. So they'll get some. They'll get some they, picks yeah, off of that yeah, they, one. There you go. Next year. Yeah. Next year, yeah. But you know what? This is what I want to know. Is this change? Is this? I know what happened this year. I know what happened this year, where you have, you know, Les Need, our guy, uh, known him for a long time, uh, Les Need doing his thing, and just being really aggressive with draft picks, and they won the Super Bowl. But are you? Do you think other teams are so intrigued? They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. <laughs> if he did it, and it worked for him. What are we doing? What are we doing? Patiently building it through the draft. I don't. I don't like, like to. I don't. I hate being. I hate being premature identifying trends. I hate being premature identifying trends. I'm but not saying it's a trend, but I think I mean, there are would two. it get your attention? Would it get your attention? Well, yeah. Like, well, well, but but why can't well, we? No, do but that? I'm. I get, but I'm actually. I'm with you though. I think two people, and we talked about this last year, and now it's this year, right? It's two. two remember last year. After Brady went from New England in its first year in Tampa, we was like, look at how he upsetting all these happy homes around the league. Russell Wilson unhappy in Seattle, Aaron Rodgers unhappy in Green Bay because they're sitting there watching Tom Brady get the red carpet rolled out and the rose petals thrown at his feet in Tampa and get everything you want. And he goes and wins the Super Bowl, right? Well, this year, 
And I, I, I don't want to say that the, you know everybody's trying to copy the Rams per se, but look at how aggressive everybody was this offseason. It goes back to yeah. just this intense offseason. So maybe there is again. I don't want to say that everybody's going to just say to hell with picks or F them picks and just start trading picks left and right. But we saw a lot of aggressive maneuvering in the form of draft pick trades and for Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. I mean, people are, are, are going for it in a way that traditionally we haven't seen. Usually it's like let's patiently build this thing when there's more than one way you can spend that draft pick capital. And the, the funny thing about it is it's a good marketing campaign, but it's not necessarily holistic. It's not thorough. It just sounds good. You can put it on a bumper sticker. You can put it on a t-shirt like or put it on a mug like Les Snead there. You know, F them picks. But it's not that's not the real story. It is, you know, if you want to take the time to get into the fine print, the small print, the small print as well. We actually value picks and what we have to do to operate this way. We have to hit our mid round our, our mid to late rounders because that's cheap talent. We got to identify players who can actually play. And then when it gets to right. a point where it's time to pay them, maybe we move on and do the and repeat the cycle all over again. It's not like they just totally ignore picks. No, they ignore. But then you also count, sometimes they ignore premium picks. Like we're going to well, but they're not. But they're not. To get but they're not players. ignoring them. But they're not ignoring them either because it's like if you it's it's a draft pick is a method of acquiring young cheap talent. But the emphasis is on talent. So if you're telling me that I, if I give up a second and a third round pick, I get Von Miller. So no, I don't have him under control for five years, but I get Von Miller and I get a Super Bowl out of it. Yeah, I make that trade every day and twice on Sundays. If you're telling me that if, if, if I got to give up the my next, my you next do it two, if you're the Rams, if you're the Rams, if I got to give up my next two first round picks to get a franchise quarterback that's a clear upgrade over the one we had, why wouldn't you do that? It's actually not as counterintuitive as some people make it out to be. It's actually common I would sense. Say, but here's, but here's the other I thing you're counting on. You're counting on the kind of culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. You got to be at a certain because, place in your organization. Because it wouldn't make right. It wouldn't make sense for Jacksonville to take the number one overall pick. And no. Uh, and yeah. It, it helps when you're drafting but, low. No. When, when you're counting yeah. on drafting thirty second. When you're also counting on is people like Bobby Wagner saying, Ooh. "Yeah, thanks a lot, Baltimore, but the opportunity to go play in L.A. for the defending champs and and roam behind Aaron Donald and in front of Jalen Ramsey is just too much to pass up." You know. Lastly. Last thing that I'll say is how sick are you if you're a Seahawks fan? Because aren't they facing Russell Wilson this year and now Bobby Wagner twice? Yeah, twice. <laughs> hey, but it's gonna be an emotional hey, hey. roller coaster. Like man, hey, that's Seahawks again. Hey, Seahawks against the world though. They 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 get, they get to position themselves as underdogs. Nobody nobody believes in us. We got a plan here. At least they got a they got a good trade though. For some, for some, that was enough. They got a, a good return on Russell Wilson. That's and, as good as they were going to uh, get. Got, that was the only team you wanted to go to. They'll get compensatory picks for Bobby Wagner. So there it is. Yeah. And they'll That's probably, big. And they'll probably this was, go. This was. They'll probably go 7, is, 10, 6, and 11. I've been waiting on this signing. I mean, I, I like him in the NFC. Now, if you could survive, whoever survives the AFC will certainly have all the respect and should probably get, well, they'll get a Lamar Hunt trophy for that. But, you know, should get extra credit if you survive the gauntlet that is the AFC. Oh, you say but whoever. No, hey, hey, why are you playing, though? They why said, you playing? They, look, running back. Whoever in the AFC. You, you, you whoever survives the AFC. AFC. 
I know you said whoever survives as if you don't know who that is. You know, you know, your squad. Hey, stand by your squad. Go ahead. Cincinnati Bengals right oh. there. Looking for you to put your arm out. Oh, okay. Put your arm well, you out. Know your, well, you know, you know your squad. We know who your squad what? is. Buffalo. Buffalo? <laughs> yeah, Buffalo. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think that'd I like, be a good brand play for you. Honestly, you I think you I should might. do that. I think you should jump on the I Bills bandwagon. It. Now. I might And then it's it. like just own them this year. Just yeah, ride with them that this now. year. Let me that'd be like that the reverse right of a heel turn. from Sunday night continues uh, yeah. the Academy at his disciplinary proceedings and they claim that Will Smith refused to leave the Dolby Theater when asked on Sunday night. Oh, but wait, there's more. Uh, oh, Variety yeah. has sources uh, suggesting that there was that's that's not exactly true that there were mixed messages being sent. Uh, that there was basically like a he wasn't formally asked. I mean, he might have been insinuated right, or implied, right, right. but but our guy Will Packer, who was producing it, was like, nah, you stay here, um, according to Variety. So it's not as cut and dry as the Academy wants to make it seem that, oh, we asked him to leave, but he ain't want to. Variety's got sources saying that's not well, exactly true. Well, but you can um, tell, though, but you can kind of tell that was the case, right, with the way it was worded. Will Smith didn't follow the protocol. So it's almost like, in other words, you can read that as you're supposed to know what the protocol is. You're supposed to know how we do things around here, and you don't do, you didn't do it the way what, we just expected escort to be himself, done. escort himself yeah. out, or, you mean? Yeah, you know, or just like leave on his own volition. Yeah, no, right. no, they yeah, made exactly. it seem like they asked him to leave and he refused. Like, they, they made it. Like there's a last line. We would like to clarify that oh, Mr. Yeah, Smith was asked to Smith leave the ceremony and refuse. and refuse. We also recognize we could have handled a situation differently. So again, that's the Academy's official stance, but sources are telling Variety it's not that cut and dry. But let me but let's go back to Chris Rock, who, you know, um appeared in Boston last night. You mentioned earlier this week you got you got tickets. Uh you so yeah, you're yeah, seeing man. him tomorrow night. What do, you, what do you expect? You're obviously excited. What do you expect? I'm, I am hyped. I've been hyped for So I was hyped, obviously, before this. And then yeah. I thought, my first thought was, oh, is he about to cancel? <laughs> is he going to cancel because of this? So I'm glad he's actually, 
I, I saw some footage, you know, local news is all over it. So Chris Rock is here. Chris Rock is in Boston. I know that. And now we know from uh, the audio, he actually did the show. I saw a review on it in the Boston Globe. Apparently very good. You wouldn't expect anything less from Chris Rock. Now I was telling uh, a friend of mine that I do expect him. This is before the first show because we've got the last show. Uh, He did his first one. What yesterday was Wednesday. Wednesday he's got one tonight and he wraps it up tomorrow. So we've got I hope it's the, the, the cleanup spot so he can just let it all out. But I told a friend of mine before Wednesday, I said, I think in the first 15 minutes, he's going to talk about it. He's going to say something funny. Um, it, it, he won't rip Will Smith, but he'll just give uh, a, a Chris Rock storytelling session on what happened from his perspective. Didn't do that last night. I expect it to happen on Friday. I really do uh, because I, do, I understand he is processing it and there are probably a lot of people coming at him. I don't know if Will Smith has reached out to him or Will Smith's uh, repu- uh, representatives have reached out to him. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Has Jada reached out to him? Like there are lots of things that that we don't know. And depending on who's in his ear, maybe that informs the step he takes in comedy. Or Mike, I don't know what you would do. Some people say, "Look, hey, I put my work in already. I wrote my I wrote my special. I wrote yeah. my I, I spent an hour on this. I'm good. I don't have to think about it. You know, as you know." When you write something, that's okay. That's done. (laughs) I'm just glad I got that out of the way. I ain't trying to come up with no new stuff. I ain't trying to be clever. I got it. No, you know, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like as somebody who's been through quite a bit of shit himself, uh, quite a bit of public drama himself. Speak on it. I I know those conflicted and I would never pretend I've never been slapped on stage at the Oscars. I would never pretend or portend to know what Chris Rock must be feeling mm-hmm. or what he must be processing right now. So to act like how I would handle it is like, why even go there? Because I would never experience something like that. But I just know in my situations, plural, um, mm-hmm. it's really hard um, to bite your tongue. And much like people have, much like people have talked about how Will Smith's actions didn't happen in a vacuum, Chris Rock's personal journey and where he is in his life are certainly contributing to how he would handle this. But check this out. Let, let, we talked about this yesterday at the end of the show when you talked about just how you, how, you know, something occurred to you after the fact. It's Thursday yeah. now. All right. It's Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Again, I said this to you yesterday. I don't, I don't like being the last person at the club. I don't like being the last person at the party. Yeah. So you want to make a deal? Between me and you, I mean, you're going to the. All right, okay. Something, something big, notwithstanding. Something major, yeah. notwithstanding. And by major, I mean Will speaking on it, Jada speaking on it, Chris speaking I on think, it, I maybe at the show on. Like, I, could should this be the? Should, can this be the last time we talk about it? Because I just don't. I don't want to be the. I like. I hate beating dead horses. Yeah. What do you, What do you say? You think could, could, should this could this could this be the last time we talk about it? Tentatively, notwithstanding yeah. something. Okay. Yeah, you're right. right. Tentatively, I, I, right. but you know, you, you know why? You know why? It's so because it's shocking. My, it's shocking. It, well, it's shocking on so many levels. But just, just think about the guys involved. Think about the guys involved. If, if, if you were told, I hate playing this game, but okay, let's do it anyway. 
If somebody tells you <laughs> yeah. before the Oscars, <laughs> right, right, before the Oscars, God no, somebody, God no, right, right, God I hate no. It. So, I think I somebody, think I think the Chris Rock getting slapped is actually yeah. more likely than the dude doing the slapping. I can't even, bro. Right. It's hard for me. It, right. It's hard for me, bro. Right. I, I could. I told you how much I like this reboot of Bel Air. I told you how much yeah. I love it. I can't watch this Bel Air. I watched it the other night. I cannot watch it without seeing the real Will Smith. And I'm like, I'm looking at the kid. I forget his name. I beg your pardon. I'm looking at the guy doing a hell of a job playing young Will. Okay. I'm watching him saying this dude is the sky is playing a dude disguised as another dude. Like this dude <laughs> is playing a dude that just slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. I'm like, I, I guess I right. can't. This is it's, oh, I, I can't get out of my head. It's, I can't. So right. I'm with you. If, right, if you had told somebody before the Sunday night, like guess what's gonna happen tonight? Oh man. Oh, I mean, it is shocking. Of, of all people, of of all, of all people, of all people, and, and of all people and at is, all places. Yes. And this tells you how powerful like never never underestimate like on our, our small our small little corner of the world. Okay, we're very small corner of the world you and I but mm. never underestimate this like entertainment and, and, and media, you know, it brings joy to some people. And people, you, believe it or not, you think, "Hey, I'm just, I'm just Michael Smith. I'm, I'm, I'm Sarah's husband. I'm, I'm Savannah and Mason and, and Maya's dad. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a dude. I'm just, I know who I am." You know what I mean? To, 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 to continue your quote. Yeah, um, yeah. Or if I look at me, it's like, "Hey, yes." Before there was a kid from Akron, there was a kid from Akron, me. But for somebody, what we do it really brings them joy and they identify and they relate to us. So if something happens that is out of just that lens that they see us through, it just yeah. really messes them up. And that's a small example. We're a small scale. Kind of like when they say don't meet your how, heroes. Like when they yeah, say don't meet your heroes, we kind of like saw an ugly side of a hero. Yeah, right. And I know I know Wilson, like everybody's got critics. Everybody has people you think everybody like there's no one who likes everybody. There's nobody who's who's loved by everyone. But Will Smith, for the most part, a pretty beloved. His approval ratings were oh, yeah. pretty high. Oh yeah, and especially I gotta old say, Will Smith, especially Instagram Will oh, Smith. Oh yeah, like this. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, right. Yeah. Everything about him, yeah. just the laugh, the characters that he's played, just the personality that he's uh, or or the persona that he has shown the world. Now I don't want to say, and this is this is very dangerous because when somebody does something. Now we start digging. We start digging. Has he had the old tweets thing? <laughs> Has that happened? That's what we do uh, in 2022. Oh, he did that. Let me find something else. Let me find something else. Let me expose him as a fraud that he is because if he did this thing, then there must be tons of things in his background and I'm not I'm giving his book back and I'm not watching Independence Day anymore and and I'm not going to watch the Fresh Prince and all that stuff. It just really it he showed people a side of himself that they just had never imagined, and it's it's hard for a lot of people. And you think it's just an actor? He's just an actor, but for some folks, it's not just acting. Yeah. He has been a part of Will Smith is somebody. I remember, I remember where I was when this happened, and I was watching this show, this movie, or listening to 
uh, Will Smith trying to sound like Rakim on summertime. Okay, I said it. Yeah, I mean, anyway, it, he tried. He tried. It's good to have uh, great role models. So it's just tough. And people have used the word trauma. I mean, now trauma may be exaggerated. You shaking your head. You shaking your head right now. I think I know no, why I'm you're shaking your head. But I'm listening. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'm listening. Go ahead. But I know you. I know you. I know you. I know you. I'm listening. No, no, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm, 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 I'm processing yeah. everything you're saying right now. And I got, I got a lot yeah. to say, but I'm just trying to, like, I'm trying to like edit myself. But I'm, 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 I'm listening very intently. People, people I say trauma. I Continue. No, yeah. I got you, man. I, and listen, man. I, I, I've known you for a long time. I've known you for a long time. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. I got the, I got the uh, methodology for the most part. Um, yeah. Now tr- trauma usually. I would say you've gone too far, but who's to say? Who's to say what 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 oh, the as, levels by of identifying trauma? it is as it, trauma? Okay, now when you talking about the people the who most, t- like like Amy the, Schumer and Wanda peak? Sykes who say that right. they're traumatized. You're talking about those people, okay? Right. Yeah. right. Well, I told you is I couldn't the sleep of, the night it happened. So was right. that a right. was that my body reacting to it? I don't know. Right. Is it the peak of trauma? No. Mm-hmm. But on, on on the on the shades of it. The shades of yeah, it has trauma. It has traumatic uh, shades to it. I understand that. I understand how people yeah. feel that way, and it's really tough for me. I, I don't know how you look at it. Now, yesterday, as I told you, local news is all over this in Boston because Chris Rock is in town, and I'm telling you, they must have shown it ten times in a four-minute segment. And after the second time, I said, I, stop. I was saying to myself, stop showing it. The slap you mean? I can't look at it. Yeah. I watched another telecast that's got I it can't blurred look at out. It. I think some people are making an editorial decision to not show it because it's like you could see it, but like behind a fog, behind a haze. So you know it's happening, but it's not showing the actual incident. I think I'm, I imagine in some newsrooms, people are having that same conversation. Like stop showing it. Stop showing this. It's enough. This violence. Yeah. Well, and some people would say it's enough. Enough is enough when it comes to talking about it. So I, that's why I asked you about could this be the last time? Because I, I just don't want it to be overkill. But if this is going to be the last time, I want to. I want my last word to be one word, and that's and. The word and. So. Yesterday at the end of the show, after you told me about the revelation you had about the delayed reaction from Will Smith, remember I said, yeah, let's talk about it tomorrow because I've been spending the last few days just like reflecting, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, from Sunday night, I want, you know, how did I feel about it immediately all day Sunday? How did I feel about it this morning? I had a conversation for the first time since the incident with one of our colleagues at NBC and he was like, yeah, I was going to text you on Monday you know, your thoughts. And I was like, well, and I, I got into it again. Like I've had iterations of this conversation over and over off camera, not to mention with you for the last four days, right? So I've been thinking like, especially because you and I have been, you know, we've been pretty passionate in our discussion and at times debate about it. I'm just like, yeah, it, yeah. you know, am I missing something? Am I, am I, am I, you know, do I have a blind spot? Do I have it wrong? Am I, am I coming at this from the wrong perspective? No, I'm not. I don't believe I am. And I think I think I'm mature enough and self aware enough to where I could acknowledge if I were wrong. 
So I think yeah. what it comes down to, Michael, is like you, like everybody else, my worldview and my experiences are coloring my perspective. And my worldview is two wrongs do not make a right. But as I said the other day, don't start and I won't be none. And in a, in a little bit, we'll have Brandon Newman, our social media coordinator, not, not now, but in a few minutes, he'll come and, and, and share some more comments with us because people have been Good consuming comments. a lot of our content, like everybody else's content. Like this topic I'm sure. is driving a lot of activity on, on the internet. And I'll come back to a point about the internet in a second. But somebody tweeted me the other day that they were, you know, disappointed with me as a black man. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, Because uh, I was, uh, because I was condoning with Will Smith. Hey, Dave, 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 hey, hey, Dave, Dave. Because I was condoning what Will Smith did, and I was using feminist talking points. And I said, huh, I said, huh, here I am thinking I was perpetuating toxic masculinity. So I, I don't I don't know how I, 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 I which one yeah. am I doing? Which one am I guilty of? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I can't keep up. So I'm saying to myself, you know what? The, you know what it is for me, Michael and I and Again, I'll I think you meant that word. for me. Remember, remember you said it the other day somebody came at you and it was meant for me. I think he meant it for me. I was the one. He, no, he probably meant no, it. No, I don't. Because I because I, I mentioned toxic okay. masculinity. Right. He didn't say that. Well, oh, I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, no, I'm no. I'm saying right. here I was thinking toxic masculinity. He, he, it was the person accused but no, me. But of I actually, perfect. but I actually said it. I actually said that. I actually said I that this was. No, example. I know. But he said, yeah. but he said feminist talking points. I, I, I don't know. I, hell, I can't keep up. Okay. And I, again, I got. It, it speaks to a larger thing about the internet. And I wasn't insulted by that. But I, I'll, I'll get to what I, what I mean in a second. So. I think the word but is a trigger word for you and others because I think there's a, a large percentage of the population um, and our audience, but just people in general who think there are no if ands or buts about it when it comes to Will Smith should not have done it. He should not have walked up and slapped Chris Rock. And I think I told you I don't disagree with that. I just would add to that the end and that end is Chris Rock should not have insulted Will Smith's wife in that very personal and public way. So I think there are people who are just like this is like Will Smith was out of pocket. And then there are people who a small percentage of people who over here who are like Chris Rock had it coming. I'm not over there. There's a growing group of people who are like stop talking about this move on. <laughs> and then there's a, a, another group of people yeah. that and this is where I live which is in the in the club of yeah, Will Smith shouldn't have slapped him. But and whichever one you prefer, he didn't do it out of nowhere. He didn't just get up and decide, you know what I feel like doing in the middle of Oscars? I feel like slapping this dude. He was provoked by a, an act of violence in its own right. He was violated. His wife was violated in their own right by Chris Rock's joke. And here's my commentary about the internet. I think you know, if I can get on my high horse and put on my, my white okay. wig, Michael, if, you, if I may, you know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think, All right, come on. Come on now. Come on. I think that we live in a, in a day and age with the internet and with social media where way too many people 
cling to the notion of not just free speech, but the ability to say what they want to say about who they want to say it whenever they want to say it free of consequences and repercussions. And I think people are so used to jumping in the comment section and so used to jump to, to, to tweeting and so used to, you know, uh, you know, Facebook messages and, and direct messages and, and whatever you want to any method methods you have of, of, of expressing yourself to the world or to certain individuals in the public space. I think those people see a lot of themselves in Chris Rock. Everybody fancies themselves as, as a comedian these days, right? Everybody wants to do it for the likes and the retweets and the hearts and 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 and, and, and uh, the, the validation and the laughs and we're gonna get these jokes off is what we're gonna do. Right. Furthermore, yeah. I think a lot of people feel extra comfortable commenting on Will Smith and Jada Pinkett in particular, given how open literally and figuratively their marriage has been open in terms of their lifestyle, but open in terms yep, of how yep. they've been about their marriage. So everybody got an opinion on Will and Jada and what they should and shouldn't do and how they should and shouldn't feel. And so I think you have a lot of people who are just so comfortable. And this goes back to my worldview, Michael. I, I, I think and we've had this conversation about players and fans. I think that too many people are comfortable and too many people walk around day in and day out not knowing or not feeling the threat of getting slapped or the threat of getting your ass whipped like I did coming up. Maybe it's the New Orleans in me. I don't yeah. know, but I was just raised. Watch what you say to people. That does not mean that Will Smith should have responded in that way. I wish to God he would not have, but I think there is room for both of these dudes who have been wrong in their own way and for both of them to have been out of pocket. Michael, I'm just about reciprocity. I just I'm just about balance. I believe that respect runs both ways. Now, if that means for the people out there listening or, or, or watching or whatever, if that means that I'm condoning Will Smith, they call it what you want. I'm strictly talking about how I live my life and I, I like yeah. to respect everybody. Even when I brought up the other day, you know, I brought up, you know, my training or whatever, which teaches me to know that anybody out here could give it to you. Don't judge a book by their cover. Don't assume that somebody is just going to take and what's and, and everything ain't funny to everybody. So how you right, or right. I process a, a joke about well, uh, Jada Pink's Jada Pinkett's appearance. I can't say how somebody else should process that. So that's all I've been trying to say all week. And I sat there because this is what I like to do in, in uh, self. You talk about it. You do it all the time. I know Michael self reflect and film study and yeah. like, you know, am yeah. I am I am I wrong? Am I just completely out to lunch yeah. on this? I'm like, no, I'm not. Right. No, I'm not because I, I want respect. As a matter of fact, I'm I venture to say I'm more right because I want the respect to go both ways. I want like both of them cross lines. They shouldn't have crossed. There's room for there's room for both of them to be accountable. And if that makes me the bad guy, think, then take a look at the bad guy. Well, you're not. A, you're, well, you're, all right, Billy Eilish. <laughs> uh, no, that's Scarface. No, no. That's Scarface. But you know, but hey, like, hey, man, the modern the modern example is Billy Eilish. You know, anyway, you need people I, like I me. You, you right. need people to point your finger at. <laughs> I got a couple of questions for you. A couple of quick questions. Okay. One. And then we'll bring in Brandon. Take your time, but we'll bring in Brandon. You ain't got to be quick. I wasn't. Do you think um, do you think Will Smith believes the apology he put out on Instagram? Ooh. Oh, wow. Ooh, binary too. 
I wasn't. What did you think of the apology? I was like, do you? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. God, I hope so. And I think so. I really do think so. Okay. Well, I, if, I, I think so and I hope it, so. If he believes it, he disagrees. You he disagrees with you because he said mm-hmm. I was wrong. And I said that he didn't. I've never okay, I, I've no, said but, he, I've, but I've said he was wrong. But you say I know you said he was wrong, but also but you think that there was some violence coming from Chris Rock. Now, it wasn't that well, he also, he also said it. He also said in the beginning, but a joke about her health condition is something I could not bear. I could not bear. I could not bear it. Right, right. So he didn't say he said I couldn't bear it, but he didn't say he had it coming. Or right. Hey, you know, he should have probably should have been hey, there's no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. Nothing. There's there's no. Yeah, I just shouldn't have done it is which is what he Here's another say, question. Here's another question. I think he believes it. Yeah, go ahead. When you when you get into uh, now, it's been a long time since I got into a, a fight, a physical fight. It, it, it was mm-hmm. short. It was short. <laughs> <laughs> in your favor? In, in, your, in your favor? No. No, man. <laughs> not, in not in my favor. Oh man. I was probably like. I'm sorry to hear. I was probably like. I was probably like uh, 16. Now, now the guy should have been ashamed of himself because I think he was like 20 something and I was like 15 yeah. or 16 and it was on yeah. the basketball court and you know, Mike, I know you find this hard to believe. He thought I was playing a little dirty. He thought I was playing dirty, oh, dirty basketball. Not you. Not you. <laughs> not me. Not me. You, you are so, an irritant you know, on the basketball court. You are yeah. like Patrick so Beverly little, Draymond Green. Oh my you're God. Right, you're right. So my little 15, 16 year old self, other 15, 16, I said, oh yeah, well you ain't gonna do. And okay. And that that's the last I heard that echo, and then all of a sudden, I was like, woke up oh. it was next week. And I looked huh? up and it was like three, four people standing over me. I said, and, and they got quiet. You know, that's how you knew it was a major L because dudes are just quiet. Ain't nobody even laughing. You're like, man. That wasn't even a fight. <laughs> okay, let's. Yeah. Hey, hey, all right, fellas, let's go. Come on, let's let's get back. Let's let's play ball. But anyway, right. my point is, do you think that when it comes to a fight, mm-hmm. that you owe it to your opponent to let them know that you want to fight? Like in hockey, they tug on your. Okay, hockey, they tug on your jersey. Tug on the jersey. Hey, we we about to go. I, I'm letting you know. I ain't gonna just come up and see you punch you. Hey, we're gonna go. Or it's a loud argument. Hey, what's up, man? Oh, what's up? Oh, we got a problem. In this case, if you watch that uncomfortable video, Chris Rock is standing there. He's he's saying he's still oh, in he's the laughing. medium mode. Uh oh. Oh yeah, he's like he's oh oh. Uh-oh. Thinks, <laughs> like yeah, yeah yeah. He thinks he's gonna come Will up and Smith put his arm around say something in his ear or something or say something. Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah. So I think it was on top of everything else. One word we didn't use is it's bullying. Not only was it an assault, it was he was a bully. Will Smith was a bully that night. He, it mm-hmm. was not a if you go if, if, if you want to fight at least make it a fair fight. I mean, I know Chris Rock ain't gonna be like, all right, come on. Let's go. No, but it, was like, su- hey. it was something. It was a it was a sucker slap, not punch, but okay. But but all right, yeah. Michael, I don't disagree with that. You know what else Will Smith was that night was selfish. He was selfish. Yeah, he, yeah. he just decided yeah, no, I- I'm gonna make this about me. And as as people have pointed out ad nauseum, it's overshadowed the entire night for a lot of people who worked their entire lives to get to that moment. But again, I can I can I say this without this being interpreted as me. Yeah, oh, I got it. Condo- I'm hearing you. 
I got you. If if Will Smith bullied Chris Rock by walking up to him and slapping him out of nowhere, what did Chris Rock do with that joke at, at Jada Pinkett's expense? What would you call that? This is where we disagree. I would call it a joke. Mm-hmm. I, I would just I, I I would call it a joke, and I understand and and I understand the seriousness and mm-hmm. maybe the the tension and and the the self doubt uh, and and some really you know long nights and long days on Jada's part of trying to deal yeah. with this issue. But the last thing I'll say, I, I like your internet point a lot. And well, uh, well can I can I interject? In can I interject before? Just just can I interject on that real quick, if I may? I, I promise yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll make it relatively quick. You know, given who we're talking about here. No, but you just said you know it was a joke for you, but you understand the sensitivity on their part. Yeah. Whether it's weight, weight jokes, fat jokes, some people may feel good about their body. Other people may drive them to depression if you make a joke. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he would mind me yeah. saying this because he's our brother. I don't think he mind me talking about him when he's not here. But, you know, Vinny Goodwill hit me up and was like, hey, man, you know, my fault on a light skin joke. I'm like, it's cool, man. We, we're good. I, t- I could take it, but some people, some other people might not like that joke. You may hear a joke about your skin tone. Yeah, that's right. You may you may laugh at it. Somebody else might might be super sensitive to it. So and, I just think and, and, and I get it. Yep. Yeah. Somebody being a comedian and I know that that's what Chris Rock does and that's what that's you know, I'm not trying to say we can't tell jokes or can't take jokes no more. I get it. But if I can get that, can't we just kind of have a little more compassion? This is what goes back to both ways for me. We have a little more compassion for the people who are the other end of those jokes who may not find them funny. Do they have to? Are, yeah. do, are they obligated to sit and grin and bear it because you do, at their expense? That's all. You about to say the internet point, and then we'll bring yeah, in yeah, Brandon internet, and talk about the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah just real, you know, a couple of quick internet points. I think for the most part, you know, fortunately, um, look, but when 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 the internet. When the internet became a thing in, in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. I was already I was out of high school, I was out of college, so it, it really didn't shape my life like it does for for your kids and for mine. And so the one thing for me uh, that 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 I that stands out is that we really have to protect. We have to protect uh, young people and not just our kids, mm-hmm. but other kids from just really overvaluing what it is now. It's easy for me to say because I look at it as a thing that wasn't there right. for me when I was 16 years old. And so I can I, I compartmentalize all the time. Oh, that's just Twitter. That's just Instagram. That's just Facebook. That's just Snapchat. That's not real for me. But for young right. people, right? That is that is well, you said so you said really, that about players. You said that about the thin skin rabbit ear players. Yeah, and invest I know. so much of their energy into what people are and, saying, and, but it's a different. Yeah. It's, it's generate. It really is generational, and, I, and and I have to be mindful of of what it is for people who I love and and want to make sure that they're not getting any kind of false ideas about themselves, about people, about society, about boundaries, and that's the word, Michael. It's boundaries for for both of us growing up. There was something we had to fear. Now, for you, you were told, "Hey, hey, you better watch what you say. Somebody can you don't come know at who you." You're talking to. For me, I feared Maryland. 
That's my mom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I feared her. That that that's who I feared. Right. And, and or some time, people, you know, some people yeah. just have a natural inclination to treat other human beings with respect. Unfortunately, we're not all wired that way. You're a nice person because you're a nice person. I like to think I'm a nice person just because I'm a nice person. Everybody ain't wired that way. So short of that, they may be right. deterrent. So yeah. So I think what's missing is it's just. But you know, so what, what is the boundary for somebody who is, is in that space of, hey, I'm just going to tell some jokes. I'm going to get this off. Is there a boundary? Do they say, I, I got no boundaries? Because this is just, I don't have to, I don't have to deal with these people. This is just, this is my whole persona. I'm, I'm playing a character. This is not really me. Yeah. I'm playing a character out here in these internet streets. I'm just trying to get people to laugh. So uh, skip you and your boundaries because there are no boundaries yeah. out here. No rules. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Brandon Newman has been standing by listening to our conversation. He has been curating um, comments from several of our conversations this week um, that people have consumed and weighed in on it. I don't know, Brandon, if all the comments are just because people are looking for outlets to weigh in on it in general or if they're comments that they're specifically interested in what we have to say. But uh, nonetheless, uh, your thoughts on what we just the conversation we just had, as well as the tenor and tone of the comments and the feedback that we've gotten from our loyal listeners and viewers and subscribers and streamers. We thank you so much. Uh, thank as you. Well thank as you. What they've ha- had to you. say all week about about this hot button topic that we're putting to bed after today, Brandon. Well, good luck with that, because like you said earlier in the show, news is the unusual. And this is the most unusual story. I mean, it's Thursday, and I think the reason why it's such a hot topic in the internet streets is, outside of it being a top five internet moment in internet history, in Twitter history, people want to know the why. People just can't wrap their minds around why Will Smith would do this. Now, keep in mind who Will Smith was to us before this incident. Before Michelle and Obama, we had Will and Jada. It was like, oh, they can can never break up. You know, this is before they started putting all their business out in the street. This was like a first... Mm -hmm black Hollywood couple for us. We all looked up to Will and Jada. Yeah, in a very real way. And speaking of uh, Chris Rock being in Boston, I need an addendum to that autobiography that that Will Smith put out. Now, on the internet, it sounds like everyone who is not saying he's dead wrong, then you're caping up for him and you're you're working too hard to, to... Cape up for, for, for Will Smith. And that's why people are coming at you in the comments, Michael Smith. I, I'm, I'm working too hard to cape up for Will Smith. They, they think that any excuse to why for his actions is that. And I, and I say, you got to think about who Will Smith is in this moment after he's a method actor, got into the character of, of, of King Richard, this father who was a bully in some regards, you, you've seen out in the, in the media to an extent, protecting his children. And he was just still in that mode. Now, I'm not trying to defend that at all because what we saw yeah. was insane and should never happen and it, it arose to that level of violence. But I think it is important to think about when these incidents happen, who are these people at this stage in their life? When Kanye came out and said yeah. uh, Taylor Swift had the greatest, uh, he just lost right. his mother in, in a very, very Hollywood public way. And also, this is the last thing I'm going to say, I'm going to lay out because there's so much to say about it based on what no, you No, no, there's no way out. We're going to keep you here for a second. We're gonna keep going. Well, we ain't going to wear not yet. <laughs> well, there's 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 a reality there's a reality to Hollywood being so fake that they can't recognize a real moment as soon as it happens, and and that's what yeah. I think. There's a whiplash to that, and then everyone talking that's about how traumatic, how traumatic 
things have been since then. Like trauma is dealt with, is connected to pain. So I feel weird about Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes acting like they're going to get smacked up at their next comedy special. That's not the situation that happened. That's, that's why yeah. I think trauma is more is a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of a stretch. But I can't speak on how they handle this the same way I can't speak on Jada Pickett Smith and taking the alopecia joke. But so, I do, I will say, I will say it is a little bit of bullying from Chris Rock at this point because this joke isn't made in a vacuum. His eyes are set up on Jada and making fun of Jada in the spectrum of this Oscar. And, and it just felt yeah. a little bit too much, too, too, too personal. So hmm. I'm looking at this one comment. I should stop dancing around how about the issue. This? I don't know how, I, I don't dance. A, I don't know how to dance. I don't have rhythm. B, I said what I said and I meant what I said. And sometimes what I'm saying has nuance to it. Okay? You may think there's no nuance here. For me, there is. You said I was working too hard to, uh, somebody said I was working too hard to cape up for Will Smith. I guess, I guess oh, for, here's some irony, by the way. I want to point out some irony, Michael. There's some irony to the people who have rightfully observed Will Smith's sense of entitlement when it came to getting up out of his seat and smacking, slapping Chris Rock. When, like I said yeah. earlier, Everybody on the internet think they're entitled to say what they want to say. So that's yeah. very hypocritical that people think they can say what they want, but then want to want to recognize somebody else's entitlement, even though he was entitled. I'm not caping up for Will Smith. Everything I've said over the last 20 years, and it's going to sound real narcissistic and real egomaniacal, but uh, okay, I understand. Uh, here we go. Here we go. More here than go, usual, go, but understand go. what I'm talking about. It's about me, and I love whenever possible to attach a larger message to these stories. I'm inconsistent and I live my life by a certain code of don't start none won't be none. I don't know Will Smith. We ain't got nothing in common other than a surname. Okay. I don't know him. I'm not caping up for Will Smith and I've said that he shouldn't have gone up and slapped him. I wish he would not have, but I think too many people in this world. I'm speaking from experience and observation. Too many people in this world think they can get away with saying whatever the hell they want to say to people. And that's our problem. So you want to talk about Will Smith crossing the line and, and not respecting boundaries and not being respectful. It goes both ways. Nobody respects anybody nowadays. And that's the problem well, because too many people well, don't view, uh, recognize other people's humanity a and B. They ain't afraid of getting smacked. I think that was I think that is a separate issue. I think that is a valid issue on its own. I don't think that's what was happening here, though. I don't think. I don't think. I don't I'm just talking about for, Rock, me, for me. I'm talking about me. I'm just talking about my, oh, yeah. I'm talking about my yeah. perspective and my commentary on it. Yeah. Separate and apart from what Will's motivation was or Chris Rock, I'm talking about how I see it through the prism of my worldview. That's all I was addressing. This just is now. interesting. This is interesting, though, right here. It's like the, the celebrity of Jada, Joe Kazite. It's, it's almost like when we talk about. Talk about the guy and not the woman. Well, they're both, they are both public figures. They're both celebrities. So it's not like, hey, you can talk about me, but don't talk about my family. But what if your family is just as famous as you are? Right? So it, it, I don't know if that quite applies in, in this case with Will and Jada. I mean, it's still people. And yeah, I think oh, another oh, thing oh, about celebrities. I'm not saying dismiss well, their I, feelings, I mean, but, but well, no, not to you. But there's a little more okay. latitude. There's a little more latitude with celebrities, right? Yes, that comes with the territory. Yes. So you're so you're saying, I'm, let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. You're you're saying that he, he's not 
that she's that she's fair game because she's a celebrity in her own right and that he should understand yeah. that. So be, beyond the quote unquote toxic masculinity of rescuing the so-called damsel in distress, and you're distress. saying this is not just a regular damsel. This is a public figure. I want the camera on her too. I wanted the camera on her the whole time. I what if she had just said, "Hey, Chris Rock, you know, f you, f you," or yeah. or, or flipped him a bird, whatever. Okay, fine. Like, will why is he in it? I mean, she's yeah. she's capable. She's capable of, of of handling it herself without going up well, on but, stage. But 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 but, but, the, but you don't go again, up on stage, Michael, and, and he doesn't either. But Michael, may, again. We have assigned the whole protecting his wife thing, partly because of what he said well, in his speech. Because what he said, but and, and but, what he said from the audience, keep my wife's yeah, keep name my wife. Wait, out. But yeah, yeah, but here's but here's but here's the ego part. Here's the ego part. Here's the trauma part. And here's the part that he talked about in his book. He didn't just go up there for for JD. He went up there for him. Right or wrong, he went up there for him. So True. you're saying she's capable of defending herself. He might not have only been thinking about, oh, I got to go up there to defend her, even though the laugh is still confusing. He might have been like, this is for me as much as it is for her, which that may be the narcissism you've talked about. That may be the ego, the ego, the toxic masculinity. I get all of that. I'm simply saying yeah. one thing led to another. I'm a very chronological thinker. It doesn't mean that the response was necessary. The response, it happened because that's what happens oftentimes in the streets and not at the Oscars. But that's what happens yeah. when you say something about somebody that's personal. And all I'm saying is, how about we just all respect one another more than we do? Let's be more compassionate in general and nobody will get slapped or worse. How about that? Well, I don't know if that I don't know if that will happen. If we're more compassionate, I think people still will be assaulted. Unfortunately. moment that is uh, that is former how about that former st. Peter's coach Shaheen Holloway former Seton Hall pirate player Shaheen Holloway current Seton Hall head coach Holloway introducing his former team one by one they all stand up and they get a standing ovation at his introductory press conference uh, speaking of introductions Myron Metcalf I think it's your first time on the show Myron uh, college basketball guru Extraordinaire from ESPN. What's up? And, and, and let's start here, man. I, I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show, and I'm excited to talk about Holloway. Just the job he was able to do at St. Peter's. Before we even get into what he's going to do at Seton Hall, just how do you put that in, into perspective? The first 15 seed to make the, make it to the Elite Eight. I think it's the greatest run in NCAA tournament history. Honestly, you know, I mean, had he gotten to the Final Four, that would add another layer to it, but. If you look at the teams that he beat, I mean, he beat Kentucky. I mean, he beat teams that are established, Purdue. Those are the top three offenses in uh, America. He beat a Murray State team that had lost in three months. So I, I think he 
put together the greatest run we've ever seen. I mean, not even just by a 15 seed, by, by any team. And that's nothing against George Mason. That's nothing against the VCUs, nothing against UMBC beat Virginia a couple years ago as a one seed, as a 16 seed. But I don't think we've ever seen anything like what Shaheen Holloway did. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. You, I thought you were on follow on Seton Hall. No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, on Shaheen Holloway, Myron, I was going to ask you just about his prospects at Seton Hall. I mean, not only was it classy, but warranted to give that team a standing ovation because that's how you got Shaheem Holloway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, yeah. not only is he a former player, but you know, he's coming in on, a, on certainly a, a high note greatest run in tournament history. as You just called it. Uh, could you break down his prospects for success at Seton Hall? Obviously comes in with a lot of credibility, a lot of familiarity. How can he translate that to greater heights for that uh, story program? I think you've seen a lot of young coaches kind of come into college basketball who can relate to these guys. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of old school guys who have success as well. But certainly, I think being a younger guy, the energy attached to that. You know, I remember Shaka Smart and being at his practices in Texas. And, yeah. You know, he's still practicing with his guys. You know, he's still out there demonstrating things on the court. I think that's an advantage for a guy like Holloway and uh, just what he can do, honestly, physically in the energy. Uh, and then you look at what he did at St. Peter's. Certainly people are going to believe that he can do the same thing at Seton Hall. I think he's going to find a way to get really good prospects, top players. I think transfers are going to play with him. Like, I think what he did with this run at St. Peter's is he marketed himself as a guy that you would want to play for, a guy you'd want to send your son to. Uh, I think that's going to be a good team in that league here in the next years. All right, so uh, turning our attention to the Final Four, you mentioned something we've never seen before. You got country music singers canceling concerts on Saturday night so that they could watch the first ever Duke-UNC tournament game, let alone one in the Final Four, as you watch Michael Holly shake his head because he just detests Duke. Uh, <laughs> so I'll ask, I'll ask it this way for my boy. How is North Carolina going to knock off Duke and end this Hollywood run in Coach K's final season. How, how are they going to do it? I think you're welcome, Michael. How are they going to yeah. do it? I mean, the same way they did it a couple weeks ago at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, they have the edge. They know how to beat Duke. They did it in the craziest environment possible. You had more than 90 former Duke players in the building. Adam Silver and Jerry Seinfeld were there for some reason, uh, and they still found a way to win. So, I mean, between Brady Manic and what he can do, I think he's a key player. Six foot nine can spread the floor, hit shots inside, outside. Armando Baycott, I think, has been a phenomenal player in the paint. I mean, Hubert has a really modern NBA-style offense. Sometimes he'll have five guys out on the perimeter. So that's how you're going to beat Duke. I mean, that's how North Carolina can. However, I've been in San Francisco for the last week with Duke, and I've watched them closely, and they're getting better and better. And I think they're by far the most talented team in New Orleans right now. So what is that about? Because I, I, I don't know what the stat is. You would know it better than I would. Is it the last six or the last seven number one recruiting classes for Coach K? I mean, it's been a bunch of them. And they, this, I think this is the first group to actually make it to the Final Four, if I'm not mistaken. So why, why has it been so difficult for recently for him to take these guys, these talented guys, and get them collectively to realize their talent? 
Well, remember, freshmen don't win national championships, right? That's the biggest myth about the one-and-done era. Two teams have done it since the NBA changed their age limit. You had 2012 Kentucky with Anthony Davis. You had 2015 Duke. So Coach K did do it with that Duke team in 2015. Other than that, no team being led by a freshman during that era has won a national championship. Some people want to add Carmelo and Syracuse to that. That's fine. But that was before the age limit. So I think that's the biggest thing is young guys don't get to this stage and win big. And that's not a Coach K thing. That's an everybody thing. But also that you got to have the right combination of talent. Uh, and this year, I think he does. Paulo Bancaro is the toughest matchup uh, in college basketball right now. Mark Williams, the seven-footer, defending the rim, running the floor. I think he has the right pieces this year uh, that have allowed him to get to this stage in his final season. Just an incredible collection of teams. I know, you know, reading your work, you know, you think Kansas is not getting enough love uh, as as a potential champion. And of course, we'll see what Jay Wright could do with Villanova without Justin Moore, but they certainly got a lot of depth to lean on. So we'll just put you on the spot, man. Uh, who do you like to take it all to cut down the nets come Monday night? Well, I like on Saturday, I like Duke to beat Carolina. I think this is a better all right. team than the one we saw a month ago that lost to Carolina. I think Kansas probably beats Villanova by, I don't know, 10, 11 points. And then I think Kansas okay. beats Duke in the national championship game. I think Kansas wow. is playing the best basketball right now. And I think Kansas is going to win that game. All right. Uh, and, hey, and, hey. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about Kansas and they're not getting enough love. What is it? Uh, you know, Bill self is he's no stranger uh, to having great teams at, at Kansas and at Illinois have some great teams. But uh, what, what is it about this group? Is there a, a particular player or a particular thing that they do that really makes makes Kansas stand out? I think Remy Martin coming on strong at the end of this season. He transferred from Arizona State. Averaged 19.1 points per game in back-to-back -back seasons at Arizona State. But he's been trying to find the rhythm at Kansas. Uh, he was hurt for a lot of the year. But now he's healthy and he's playing really well. Like to me, with Remy Martin emerging right now, it's kind of like an NBA team adding an all-star at the trade deadline. That's what Kansas has essentially done with Remy Martin playing the way that he's playing. And it just adds another dynamic to an already good team. I, I just think Kansas is one of those teams that'll pounce on you and they will not let you up. Uh, and with Remy Martin playing the way that he's playing, I think they're the most difficult team to defend in New Orleans. All right, man. Hey, enjoy my city. And uh, we enjoy talking to you. It's good to see you, Myron. Thank you so much, man. Thank good you, to Myron. see you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Be good. Anytime. This is truly an honor for me to be a part of a, a great organization like this. Two people tipped it, and Marcus Williams comes away with the second interception of Newton. Saints bring pressure, and Winston throws it right to the Saints. Coming back, Marcus Williams, the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Marcus Williams. Looking deep, throwing deep. And there is Marcus Williams, who makes the interception. It's like getting drafted all over again for me. There's a whole lot of emotions running through my body, but I know one thing is I'm ready to work. And we say hello to new Baltimore Ravens safety. I don't know if I should even call him a safety because it ain't safe to throw in his direction for other quarterbacks. They could tell you. Marcus Williams uh, joins the show uh, we appreciate you coming through, man. Uh, congratulations on a new deal uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you, you definitely earned it over the last uh, few years with the New Orleans Saints, of course. 
Um, but I'd like to start with just today's big free agent signing. We see former Seahawks middle linebacker, perennial all pro Bobby Wagner joined the Los Angeles Rams. Come to find out, he was almost going to be your teammate. Did you know that? Were you, were you in his ear? Were you hitting him up? How close could did Bobby Wagner come to joining you in Baltimore? Man, that would have that would have been crazy. I mean, I'm not really, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not in the office. I don't really know what's going on there. But uh, man, that would have been crazy if he came up came up there to Baltimore with, with us. Uh, but you know, Bobby, he he's a great player, great talent. I, I actually uh, went to school with his brother in high school uh, down the street. So uh, I've known Bobby for a long time. Uh, we went to the same high school. Um, it was it's. But it's, I feel like he, he he's right where he wants to be. He's right there in L.A. where he wants to be. And uh, I, I think that's going to be great for him. Marcus, we were talking about it at the beginning of the show. Can't remember an offseason like this where so many guys were traded, so many guys, big names, changed teams. How did you process this? I know you had your own change, but as you looked around the league, what were some of the thoughts you had when you saw all these uh, all these transactions? Man, it's crazy just seeing people uh, getting released and getting traded and sent to new teams. It, it's it's just uh, it's a different year for sure. But uh, I think it, I think it's going to be an exciting year, definitely, especially in the AFC. I know there's a lot of talent that came over here to the AFC, so I think it's going to be an exciting year, uh, fun fun filled year for sure. I mean, and, and I'm glad you said that because it's like just even looking at your AFC schedule, you guys got your division. So Bengals and Joe Burrow, uh, Browns and Deshaun Watson. We'll see who's quarterback in the Steelers, but for now it's Mitchell Trubisky. You got Buffalo and Josh Allen, Miami and two with all these weapons he has now with Tyreek Hill. Um, you're facing Denver with Russell Wilson this year, uh, and that's that's just at home. On the road, you got your division. You're going back to play your boy Tom Brady in Tampa. Um, you're going back to New Orleans, which should be fun for you. Uh, and then you go to Jacksonville to play Trevor Lawrence and all the free agents that they've gotten. No disrespect to the rest of your schedule, but you guys got a pretty tough slate, as everybody does. I guess, you know, as you now quarterback that back end of that Baltimore defense, what do you think about the challenges that await you guys just in your own division or your own conference as a defense? I mean, it's nothing new to me. Uh, coming from New Orleans, we were always playing, uh, you know, the top teams, especially, you know, having winning records and stuff like that. So coming over here, I'm, I'm sure it won't be any type of let off. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that uh, they play tough teams all the time. And the NFL is very competitive. Uh, you never know what you're going to get week in and week out. Guys are, guys are good on every single team. So, I mean, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready for, you know, to get ready and come out there with my guys out there in Baltimore. So, I think it's going to be a fun year, exciting, and yeah, we're going to get some stuff done for sure. You know, Marcus, I think about Baltimore. If you're a defensive player and, and the Ravens are interested in you, I mean, how exciting is that? you got so many examples, individual examples Legacy. of guys who have done it at the highest level. And then just collectively, they've had some of the most uh, dominating defenses really in the history of the league. What was it about Baltimore that got your attention? Man, it's definitely the culture. I, I tell everybody about it. It's definitely their culture, the, the people that they had before me and even the guys that are there now. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a defensive-minded team, but they also have a good offense as well. So coming in just to be thought of as a great defensive player. You know, I know who I am. I know I'm one of the top safeties in the league. So 
going going back there to a, a defensive team, you know, I feel like it, it's it's definitely an honor to be able to be brought into Baltimore, brought into that culture, because I'm you know because I'm that defensive guy that I feel like can help the team go to the next level. So it's, it's definitely an honor to be to be able to come and and leave my own legacy here in Baltimore for sure. So you talked about the connection with with uh, with Bobby Wagner and, and the high school connection with him and his and his brother. You obviously got a Utah connection with a couple of notable Ravens. Like one of them is Tyler Huntley, who's still on the team. Eric Weddle came through there. Steve Smith Sr. came through there. All Utah Utes. What did they tell you about Baltimore and that and that organization and that culture and just that environment that that sold you that that you could only get from somebody who's been there versus watching them from afar? Man, I've I've heard a lot of good things. Uh, they they definitely told me it's a place that you want to be, a place that you that I could thrive at somewhere that that the players and the coaches they're all together and everybody you know they're they're one they're trying to win um and it's just it's just that that type of environment that i want to surround myself with people who are wanting to get better each and every day people who are striving to win that championship and that's just the type of person i am i I just want to go out there and win compete have fun with the people around me and just get stuff done speaking of getting stuff done Listen, man, you know, not to put you in a tough spot or anything like that, because this ain't your business. You just signed your own contract. But everybody on the outside, and I don't even know if you met dudes yet. You might not even have had a chance to say what up. But everybody outside wondering, like, yo, what's up with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? So you got any intel? If you don't, it's cool. Just curious if if, if everything's all good from what you understand. Because like, you wouldn't have come yeah. there if it wasn't for Lamar, I imagine. I mean, hey, I, I mean, that he's his own man. I, I, I don't have any recollect of what's going on with that. I feel like he's gonna, you know, do what he has to do best for himself and best for the team. Uh, I feel like he's he's a stand-up guy, somebody who who really wants to be in the organization for a long time. So, I mean, um, you know, I I can't really tell you, I can't really speak on that. I feel like uh, I whatever happens happens with that. Oh uh, yeah, I just had to ask, man. You know, you more in the know than we are. We just <laughs> out here out here guessing, but I do imagine. My guess is, though, in all seriousness, my guess is that Lamar Jackson you know, was one of the, the reasons why you came to Baltimore along with John Harbaugh, along with that culture, along with that tradition on defense. How much of a drawing card was Lamar Jackson for you? Man, he, he's an explosive player. He, he's somebody he's somebody that you definitely want to be on their team. He he makes plays with his feet. He makes plays with his arms. He He's definitely a great talent, and I'm happy that I'm able to be on his team to, you know, ride out there with him on the, on the game days, and I feel like he's going to, He's gonna only improve his game more now than than ever. You know, he. I feel like he knows he has something to prove each and every year, just as myself. Um, and I feel like just just seeing him from his rookie year to now, he he definitely improved, and he's not gonna take his foot off the gas pedal for sure. You know, Marcus, you look at Lamar Jackson. He's at the at the beginning of his career. Malcolm Jenkins decided to end his career after 13 years. Uh, just really an incredible guy for, for us to look at from afar. I know Michael knows him a lot better than I do. I've just had a couple opportunities to talk with Malcolm and very impressive. Uh, you, you've seen him up close. You know, just w- what are your thoughts on Malcolm Jenkins and what he meant on the field and off? Man, he's a leader. He's, he's a guy that you can look up to, a guy you could talk to. Um, he just gives you all the knowledge that he has, whether it's off the field, talk about finances, talk about life, whatever it is, you can go to him and talk to. He's he's not a stand standoffish type of person. He's he's somebody who's willing to help. He's out in the community. 
you know, Malcolm is, you know, who he says he is and nobody can ever say he, he doesn't do stuff for others. And he just, uh, he definitely somebody I, I see staying connected to because uh, of what he does on and off the field for sure. Hey, um, can I ask you something? Uh, is, I hate to bring up old stuff. And I, and it's still, I know it still pays for a lot of people in New Orleans. Huh? So it's okay. It's going to be brought up every time. I already know. Well, because it's like it, it's a lot. It's still painful for a lot of people in New Orleans, but it's relevant to recent developments. And we talk about from a, you know, a quarterback perspective and an offensive perspective. I like to talk about it from a defensive player perspective because everybody just be like, just play defense. You know, they don't, you know, it's like Mike Tomlin said, he don't mind sudden death. Just play defense. So obviously most of the time in, in the playoffs and overtime, the team that wins the coin toss ends up winning that game oftentimes on the first possession. You of course had to go through the pain as all of New Orleans did of that Ram situation and I ain't going to get all into it again, but I'm just saying that was one of the rare times where the team that didn't win the coin toss won the playoff game. What's your feelings on the overtime change is what I'm getting at. Are you one of those people that's like nah, it was good like it was. We don't need everybody getting the ball. I'm fine with playing defense or do you like both offenses getting an opportunity? I definitely think it's it's beneficial for both offense to to get a chance at it because you you see like with the Bills they they didn't really get a chance at that second second go and they lost and it's like dang if I would have went out there and I would have had my chance in offense you don't know what could have been but I definitely think it's a good change I think it's um, we'll see how it goes this year and if they want to change it back they'll change it back but. It's uh, I feel like it's 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 definitely the right thing to do because I mean, it's like win the coin toss and you got it. But if not, then your defense has got to stand up and make a stop. And no, there's no pressure on the defense. We just got to go out there and make a stop. But I mean, that's just how the game goes, and that's how it's been for the long time. I mean, how'd you deal with it though? Because I know from a fan perspective, as, as some fans in New Orleans, still not over it. You know. You just bring up, you just fix your mouth to say Rams, and that's it. Okay, that's it. They go down a, a certain path. But how about you? I mean, it, it's it happened to your team. It's your livelihood. You know, how did you how did you deal with it? Day one, day five, day ten. I mean, it definitely hurts. Yeah, but after a while, you know, we gotta you gotta move on. We you know we gotta go into the next year. We can't keep harping on the stuff that happened behind us. We just gotta get better the next year and. Hopefully it doesn't come down to an overtime game. Hopefully it doesn't come down to those last plays. We just got to do what we have to do inside of the, of the regular, you know, minutes of the game. So if we if we do what we have to do, handle business, it won't come down to that. But and if it does, then shoot, hopefully we win that coin toss. But at the end of the day, we we uh, we 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 felt it for a minute. We definitely felt it for a minute, and uh, you know, it's one game away from the Super Bowl, so. You're going to feel it. It's going to hurt. But at the end of the day, once that year goes and you're on to the next year, you got to you got to harp in and, and sharp your uh, iron again and get back out there and go do what you got to do. So the last thing and we'll bring the conversation full circle with you, man. Like, what did you feel just given your journey uh, coming up, growing up college? you know, first five years in the league with the Saints, all the ups and downs you went through in New Orleans. What did it feel like to put pen to paper and sign that massive contract? What, what just kind of emotions did you feel when you'd arrived at that moment and finally gotten what you worked so hard to achieve? 
you know, after after I signed it, I, I really didn't feel it like like as hard as I felt on the way back when I had the the check in my hand uh, with all my family surrounding me. I, I kind of just broke down, and I and I kind of realized it's really real. It's really it really happened. All this hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, it, it's come full circle, and it and it's definitely a blessing. And I'm I'm honored to even be a part of the NFL. Uh, not a lot of people are even able to reach this level or they're not even able to reach five years in six years in and i'm going into my sixth year now and it's and it's still it's still a dream but i still work every single day so my dream is a reality but for me it's it's definitely a a a blessing uh to have all my family there uh see me sign and it's it's definitely one of those things that you know you can't you can't get back that moment will last forever for sure well, listen, man, uh, we appreciate our time. I can tell you that New Orleans appreciate the time that you spent with the Saints. All the best in Baltimore. Uh, keep being a ball hawk and uh, come back and join us sometime, man. We appreciate you. Congratulations on the move. No doubt. Thank you, Thank you for having me. All right, man. Be good. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, it was great. All right. You know, Mike, I'm, I'm thinking about this uh, this Bruce Arians step down, clearing the stage so Todd Bowles could take over, and and Bowles can be can be in a better situation that, than he was in New York. I mean, the Jets, uh, and you can say this about a lot of Jets coaches. You know, things weren't quite what they were supposed to be. I think yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback one year, they won ten games. Uh, Brandon Marshall was one of his wide receivers, I think. Uh, uh, in those years in New York, but ultimately it was 16 games under 500. Taking over a Super Bowl team, is it a good situation for him if the Bucks don't win a Super Bowl this year? You tell me, because oh, I, I'm thinking of, because I, I, the reason I asked that question is, you know, Tony Dungy steps away, gives it to Jim Caldwell. Caldwell gets the Colts to a Super Bowl. They lose yeah. it. Ultimately, yeah. Peyton Manning gets hurt. He's right. out. Right. And he goes to Detroit. He was successful there. And, and right. he still he hasn't been back since. I'm wondering right. like if if are, are we and I'm glad Todd Bowles has the opportunity, but are we saying that right. he should win? Is it just a good situation or is it hey win a championship or somehow this is a failure? Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know if I would go to that extreme. I would point I would, out that no, there have I been wouldn't. 10. I, I would point out that there have been 10 coaching changes this offseason. And the longest tenure coach in the NFL, excuse me, in the NFC South is Matt Rule. Wow. Um, so even though Todd Bowles got a five year contract in today's NFL, it would be an accomplishment if he were to see the end of five years. contract. And that's no, that's not, that's no disrespect or not, no slight against Ty Bowles. It's just the league, the turnover is just ridiculous nowadays. So he has an opportunity to succeed with Tom Brady as his quarterback for one year at least that most quarterbacks don't. Would it be a disappointment if they didn't win the Super Bowl with Tom Brady and this roster? Yeah, because they're built to win now. Would it be a failure? I wouldn't go so far as a failure. What I hope is that unlike Raheem Morris and Lovey Smith, 
because now the Bucks have twice as many black coaches in their history as any other organization has ever had in four when you count Tony Dungy. I hope that Jason Light and the Glazers and Bruce Arians from the front office support Ty Bowles for the long run and not just look at him as yeah. continuity for the short term, but build this team and replenish this team for those five years so they're not looking for another coach in three years the way everybody else in the league yeah. is nowadays. Because I, I, I think, you know, you're right about the five years uh, on his contract to be fortunate to make it to the end. But I still think he'll be around longer than Tom Brady will. So he'll have a championship roster, Super Bowl-capable roster. And then I think there'll be a transition. Will they stick with them during the transition too? And that, that's, that's where you need to support or just to be aligned with the front office.